They're going to turn to James chapter 4. So if you'll turn there with me, we're going to look at the first 12 verses there in this today. And we're, thank you guys, grateful for you guys getting everything in shape. Now that we've done away with the bumper video, it gets a little tighter, but that's okay. And uh, it allows us time to do body life, to do those great small group discussions on the, on the back side. This morning, as you look there, I was looking at different translations of this passage, and I just kind of landed on one that I want to I just read to you. I'm going to let you remain to be seated this morning since you've been standing for the last 20, 25 minutes. But if you would, just you could close your eyes or you could keep them open, but just receive, hear the Word of God. Why do you fight and argue with each other? Is it because you're full of selfish desires that fight to control your body? You want something you don't have, and you will do anything to get it. You will even kill. But you can still cannot get what you want. And you won't get all by fighting and arguing. You should pray for it. Yet even when you do, you pray. Your prayers are not answered because you pray just for selfish reasons. You people aren't faithful to God. Don't you know that if you love the world, you're God's enemies? And if you decide to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you doubt the scriptures that say God truly cares about the spirit he has put in us? In fact, God treats us even with greater kindness, just as the Scripture says. God opposes everyone who is proud, but He is kind to everyone who is humble. Surrender to God, resist the devil, and He will run from you. Come near to God, He'll come near to you. Clean up your lives, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you people who can't make up your mind. Be sad and sorry and weep. Stop laughing and start crying. Be gloomy instead of glad. Be humble in the Lord's presence, and He will honor you. My friends, don't say cruel things about others. If you do, or if you condemn others, you're condemning God's law. And if you condemn the law, you put yourself above the law and refuse to obey either, or God who gave it. But God is our judge, and he can save or destroy us. What right do you have to condemn anyone? Another translation says, and what right do you have to judge another? Well, this morning, you, you look at this. I, I, I told you the first week, James is that practical half-brother of Jesus that's a great Bible teacher, proclaimer of the gospel. But he doesn't go to the school of diplomacy. He doesn't go to the school of really trying to make you feel good. He just kind of steps out and goes, boom! I mean, he just hits you. How many of you have been smacked in the face at least once since we've been in the book of James? And probably every weekend, because he just comes with these powerful truths from God's Word to try to illustrate, to try to speak to us. But here's what he says. James doesn't paint a very pretty picture, as I said, but what he does is he, he talks about the church, and he says, and in the church, among believers, there's still going to be some quarreling, some fighting, some slandering, some judging among one another. And it's just not a good thing here. He says, it's going to be rough, but yet there should be hope for the people of the church, for those that have been united with Christ, for they should live a different life. They should live a life. We, we talked about tongue trouble a few weeks ago. Their life should not be slanderous or be full of gossip, but they should be edifying and building up. But he says here, there's going to be church wars. And I don't know if you've ever been a part of a church that's had a war or not, but they're, they're certainly out there, and they're going to continue through the ages as long as the Lord tears. It's just a part of humanity. But weapons and strategies used in fights and quarrels. I read this thing, I thought it was interesting. Missiles, they attack the church members from long range. And there's definitely some missiles that go off in the church. Guerrilla tactics, they're airbrushing the unsus or they're ambushing the unsuspecting. 
snipers, their well-aimed criticisms, criticisms of others in the body of Christ so many times. Minds are ensuring that others will fail in their efforts to serve God. Propaganda used to spread gossip and damaging words that could corrupt or fight or break a relationship. The Cold War technique, where we freeze out an opponent because we just don't want them to get ahead, or we withdraw our conversation and we just ignore them, we, we stonewall them. And the last one, just a nuclear attack. We would be willing to sacrifice the church, possibly, as long as our agenda was done. So there's all these attacks, and, and here, I'm just going, I'm going to go ahead and give it to you. There's, there's three things there. He's going to talk about three wars, and I'm just going to give it to you right out of the gate. And then we can go ahead and just fill in those blanks, and then I can just preach and, and try to share God's Word, and we'll come back and fill in some more. So just go ahead and get ready. The first one, there's that war with each other. Just fill that in. There's that war with each other that James talks about. And we know what it is to be at odds, to be at anonymity, to, to, to be at restraint, or to, to be at odds with one another where we just can't seem to get along. And, and sometimes it's our fault, sometimes it's their fault, but we're irritated by them or they're irritated by us. There's war with each other. But there's a great passage in Amos 3.3. I remember finding this years ago. Can two walk together, expect they be agreed? You, you have to decide, you have to make a decision that I want to agree to walk in unity and celebrate the bond of peace. And the church said, we have to choose to do that. That's our choice. Or we can choose to walk in conflict and war with each other. The second one is that war within ourselves. Every one of us battles a war. And we battle a war between righteousness and unrighteousness, good and evil. And that war sometimes is fierce on the inside. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Do I have a witness in the church? just a war, man. It's that, it's that internal struggle that just goes on. And sometimes it's more fierce than at other times. And that's why the, the, the church, the body, the ecclesia, when we come together, that we somehow find support from each other because that war just seems to take us out. And the third one is, and this is the tough one, not just a war with ourselves, a war with God, a war with the Almighty. And the thing is, when we get in a war with Him, it's really foolish because we're not going to win against the creator, the sustainer, the all-powerful, the omnipotent one. But there is that war that seems to come and it seems to be hard. Wars. Wars just seem to be a prevailing state of strife in our lives. You know, wars. There seems to be a war of conflict, of hating, of conflict, of racism, of people killing, on and on. It just seems like every day when we look at the news and we see all these conflicts, we see all these wars, and so many of them, they're just so senseless. And why do they have to happen? So many times because of the own evil desires, the enticements within. But then he talks about these adulterous passions. He goes, what causes quarrels and causes fights among you? Is it not the passions that are at war within you? So, at the end of the day, this whole message today is called submitting. You know, it's that easy word. It's not easy. But it's that word that we need that we submit to the authority of Christ. We submit in obedience to the scriptures, to the commands. Today, we're going to look at some seven different imperatives, commands, not suggestions that James talks about that we should have as believers but we've kind of dismissed them if we're not careful. But what makes Christians fight among themselves? I think it's those, it's those passions. I think it's those things within us. And sometimes we get offended. Sometimes we get hurt. Sometimes we get misunderstood. Sometimes we get put down. Sometimes we get slandered. There's, 
there's various reasons why we fight, but we just fight. Now, I'm, I'm praying that our, our fellowship will continue to love one another and we want to support one another. And if we do get at conflict, we'll, we'll say, hey, let's, let's reconcile. Let's, let's amend this situation. Certainly in marriages, you know, our goal is not to see you break up and separate and divorce and go on. You know, it's God's will that this man and this woman should love one another for a lifetime. And the church said, and, 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 and don't say it out loud. But have you ever been at conflict with the one that you're married to? Don't say anything. And my prayer is just say, yes, it happened on the way to church. So right now I've got a great video I want to show you. No. I mean, you, you know, you're saying, was he in my car this morning? I mean, you know, you're saying, well, well hopefully not. But sometimes I have. But so he, he, just, he just sits here. He says these fights, these quarrels, they come from within. In verse 2, you want something, but you don't get it. You kill, you covet, but you can't have it. What you want, you quarrel, you fight, you do not have because you, here it is, because you do not ask God. Then he jumps into this whole thing. I mean, James is just kind of like rapid succession fire. So he talks about fights and quarrels and animosity. And then all of a sudden he goes, then he just nails us about our prayer life. And he starts off in the first chapter about prayer. Now he comes to this fourth chapter about prayer. And then again in the fifth chapter he talks about prayer. So I've determined that James thinks prayer is pretty important to the body of Christ. So here's what he says. Avoid some foolish praying. If we're not careful, we, we pray some prayers that really aren't that great. They're, they're, they're about us. They're about God doing what we want Him to do, for God getting in on our agenda, not us getting in on what God wants. And uh, so, I mean, how, how's God going to answer a prayer like that? I mean, at the end of the day, our prayers are about us coming in alignment, us coming into submission to Him, not us bending God toward our will, but us bowing, bending our will toward the Father's will that we might give Him glory. It's always been, and it always will be, about the glory of God, about elevating, honoring, esteeming, worship, the worth of the Almighty. But if we're honest, in this life, so many, so many times we want it about us, and when our agenda doesn't get met we get upset we get displaced it's just it's sad so here james is saying hey our here's how i'd say it another way write this in your notes our desires choke out god many times when i'm praying that we have the desires of christ because we're walking with him in fellowship and his desires become our desires but when we just want to honor our desires they tend to choke out the word they tend to choke out the voice of Christ, and we don't hear it, and we try to walk after that. And, and so we're asking, if we'll look sometimes, we ask for a lot of things, and I pray that we ask for nations, I pray that we ask for salvation, I ask that we ask for a greater awareness and sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. I ask that we pray many things. This thing for next Saturday, I pray that you would pray continually for healing and unity and that our city would love and walk out together. That would honor Christ. But if we're not careful, we choke him out and we go to promote ourselves that we might be satisfied, not Christ. So at the end of the day, God's like, but I want you to be satisfied in me. And my goal is, is to love people is to love the church is to love those far from the christ the cross god's goal is that we would even love our enemies and i've talked to you about that so many times and and those are those scriptures like what jesus love pray honor those that are my enemies that is impossible exactly 
It's a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in our lives as He dwells. So, Lord, we want to consider Your glory. Your glory. Listen to this. Prayerlessness is a sin. Just write that on the margin today. Prayerlessness is a sin. When we cease to pray, we sin. There's a passage over in the Old Testament. It won't come the address to my mind real quick, but the bottom line is it says, how dare it be that I should forbid, that I should not pray for others, that I would forget to intercede on your behalf. It's basically a paraphrase of it. And God wants us to honor one another. I, all the time I'm sending out prayer emails and prayer texts, and I receive those all the time. And I send them around the country just in the last couple of days. I haven't told you because it just hit my, my own flesh and blood. My brother, he just went into really bad shape, incoherent, rushed to the hospital, about to put him on an incubator. They were able to do some other things and not... He's in a hospital in Tulsa, not doing very well. He's been battling lung cancer. And this morning, I praise God, he's stable, and they hope to move him into a private room today. And so I, I just ask you if you just write down there and say, hey, pastor's brother, Jimmy, I think I'll pray for him. And, and I pray for so many things in this body. Matter of fact, one of the greatest prayers that I've prayed in the last months and this week and last week he came walking in stay seated chris kent walked in let's just put our hands together and thank god for his mighty power at working chris isn't that awesome man chris has had some major surgery for the second time so please no body punches to chris today okay chris in about six weeks maybe they can punch you right no you better not punch him even then but anyway so God, your greatness, your success. Here, here's what I know. When he, when he talks here, he says, you have not because you don't ask God. He would say this. I expect you to pray as a believer, as a follower of Jesus. I, I'm not hoping or thinking or maybe you should try this. You should do it. You should be a warrior. You should, you know, when you take on the name warrior, when you take on the name intercessor, when you get serious about prayer, I think you get a new target on your back. I think it gets harder, but I also think other people benefit. The Bible says the prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much. I believe our prayers are powerful. And God instructs us and God equips us to pray as children of God. So here's what I'd say to us. God, help us not to neglect our prayer discipline. Help us not neglect praying for our church, for our friends, for our families for our colleagues, for blank. God, help us not to for, uh, forgo that. God, we, we want to jump in, Lord. And then, here, look, look down there at verse 4. You adulterous people. Now, that's not very kind language how to gain friends. You, you know, today, if somebody's living in adultery, somebody's committing adultery, we, we sanitized it. We don't even say that anymore. We're going, brother, they're having an affair. And we almost act like it's, permissible like it's good and it's not last time i checked this is sin to holy god and I'm like god let's just call it what it is I, I know over here this restaurant i love to eat at i don't know if they still have it but they had this sandwich and i, I just couldn't get over the name the affair I, you know i just like man the sandwich was awesome but i don't think i need it okay hey you adulterous people don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward god well that's pretty hard language there and so this whole thing of uh, adultery in the scripture here's what i'd write down spiritual unfaithfulness is what it is they have or we have abandoned the lord we've been unfaithful as a marriage partner is unfaithful to the other that they commit adultery sometimes we spiritually commit adultery and he says that should not be in the church 
Imagine a man and a woman get married and they're in love and, they, and things go well and they're having a great season. Maybe they have some kids. And after a time, the wife or the husband develop a roving eye and then they find another person to be with and then they go back to their spouse and they go, well, you know, I'm kind of over here. I'm kind of doing this. But what I want you to know is I need you to keep my lifestyle up and I need you to pay for me to do these things. And what would you say as the other spouse? That's not a trick question. What would you say to the spouse if they said, I'm going to live this lifestyle, but I expect you to keep me up and pay for me? What would you say? Yeah, I mean, you're like, no, 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 no way, baby. You know, I was like, man, you, you, you need to repent. There, there's, there's books in the Bible, Hosea and others, and you, and you read the scripture and you see how God wants Israel and he wants people to come back to him. I love that our father has always been about pursuing those that are far from him that they might come back. And when we get out of step, God's at that point like, hey, I want you to still repent. I still want you to come home. I still am the lover of your soul. That's what I love about Jesus. He loves your soul and my soul more than we love our souls. He loves us more than we love one another. And he tells us to remain pure, to be pure as he is pure, to be holy as he is holy, to be unspotted as he is unspotted. And man, do we fall short. But that's our marching orders. That's our goal. And I know that the Father expects you and me to walk with him. He expects us to walk in relationship, in tandem, friendship, and unity that we walk after the ways of christ so many of you have been christians for a long time and you've been walking with a savior amen you've been walking in rich fellowship the lord has blessed your lives in so many ways some of you are maybe haven't walked with christ as long blessed be the name of the lord that you're walking with him now maybe you're here today and you're going i'm still not walking with him i'm i've been considering him i'm i'm certainly about some of these other things you've been i've been slanderous i've been a gossip i've been far from him well, man, today, wouldn't it be great today if you decide to come home to Christ and you decide to make Christ the Lord of your life? There, there, there's one thing I'm learning as I'm aging, as I'm getting older, but so are you. I, I, I've got two principles for you. The first principle is this. Aging is not for sissies, and the church said. I've learned that, man. They come up with stuff to do to you. That, Ooh, I didn't know about that. Aging is not for sissies. And then we just need to walk with Christ. We need to pursue him. We need to encourage one another in our walk of faith. And we need to be these warriors that he talks about in prayer, not to misplace our affections. When somebody missteps, when somebody steps out of their faithfulness in their marriage relationships, there's a misstep. There seems to be a, a, a realignment of affections. And God doesn't want us to misplace our affections. He doesn't want us to place our affections or fix our affections on anything other than him. When you and I fix our affections on something other than Christ and on this earthly relationship, when we fix our affections on somebody other than our spouse, it's called sin. One sin specifically might be called idolatry, idols. And God says, that's not what I want for you. I want your vertical to be so strong with me. I just want you to walk with me. I want you to proclaim me. You know, as, as, as I watch life, it seems like in the last two months I've been to more funerals than I have, and I don't ever remember a period in my whole life or ministry that I've been intended more funerals than I have in the last two months. Just off the chart. And somebody came up to me one day and said, hey, pastor, guess what? I mean, this really made me feel good. There you go. You're getting old. Huh? And they said, you're probably going to do a lot more of that. Oh, man, I appreciate those kind words. I mean, I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be awesome. I still remember my dad. My dad 
would, uh, my dad, every morning, he would do this like I read the Bible. He, every morning, that was the first thing he did. He would go out and get the paper. Maybe your dad was like that. I don't know. And he loved to read that paper. And he, man, he'd read from cover to cover. And then he'd get to this section he was always intrigued by. And he'd be reading the obituary. And it's not like by the time I got up every morning for breakfast to go see my dad, I'd sit down and he'd be reading the obituary. I said, what are you reading, dad? He goes, ah, the obituary. I said, dad, why do you read the obituaries? He goes, I'm reading to see if my name's in here. I was like, oh, well, Dad, I don't think you're going to find your name in there. He, you know, he, he tell me that like once a week, and we just laugh. I'm like, oh, yeah, whatever, you know. And now, you know, nobody even gets the, the paper. Like, I went and bought a paper this morning, the first time in five years. I did. I went and bought an advertiser. I, I needed to get this thing. And, you know, it wasn't the Auburn article, but it is in there, and I'm probably going to blow it up. Okay, I was excited about it. Okay, because last night I missed the fourth quarter. But here's the deal. I went to buy a paper. I had no idea. I thought a paper was 50 cents, maybe $1.25 or $1.50. Lady charged me $2.20 for a paper this morning. I went, really? But I wasn't, you know, I just went, how much is this? And I, you know, I was pulling out my money. She goes, that'll be $2.20. I said, you know, thought occurred to me, these things aren't going to be around much longer, are they? And she just started laughing. She goes, no, no, they're not. I, I, I'm curious. I'm taking a quick survey. I'm just curious. I got this thought. How many of you read the paper? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that's a bad business to be in. Isn't that amazing? No, wait a minute. Let me ask that a question. I don't think anybody heard me. How many of you take the paper and read the paper? Wow, one. Okay, all right. Let's keep going. You got the tip here. You heard it. If you've got stock, sell it quickly because it's not doing very good. Okay, here we go. We are the bride of Christ. Not the bride of somebody else. We're his bride. Listen to just a couple of scriptures as he, as he talks about faithfulness. For your maker is your husband, the Lord Almighty is his name, the Holy One of the Israel is your redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth, Isaiah 54, 5, 2 Corinthians eleven two. 2. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promise you to one husband to Christ so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. Ephesians 5, 25 and 32. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Oh, how God loves the church. Oh, how God loves you. How he loves me. How God's for us. And uh, I look here today thinking these wars we fight with each other, with ourselves, with God. We find unfaithfulness in our day. We, uh, an admonition here that I'll go back to is just this, Let's adopt faithful praying. Uh, you know, every year I seem to preach a few messages about prayer, and this one didn't intend to be a message on prayer, but just as I kept studying and looking at it, I kept seeing more and more of that. Lord, teach us to pray. Teach me to pray. Teach our church to pray. God, show us what it is to be effective in our prayer lives. Show us how to see kingdom of God, how to see the kingdom of God come. Your will be done on earth as it is your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we want your will. So God, show us how to do that. Well, we want to be people of the book. We, we want to, let, so let's keep moving here. So he's, he talks about these adulterous people. And then look what he says, verse 6. But he gives us more grace. That's why scripture says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God's always been opposed to pride. It, the, I'd say the root of our sin, almost every sin, maybe all sin, is pride. And God says, but I want to give abundant grace. I want to give abundant humility. Humble yourself. Oh, God, help us to be humble people. I was, I was doing some study about that word this week, and I'm always thinking about the word humility because I find it in the Scriptures. And I got a new definition of humility. 
I like it because a lot of times we think humility, you think milk toast, you think weak, you think, I don't know, you just, it, 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 it doesn't jack me up as a guy, okay? But I think here's the best definition I've heard in a long time of humility. Harnessed strength. Harnessed strength. You are strong because God's made you strong. But that, that strength is harnessed by the Holy Spirit in your life. And you're humble. Oh God, would you harness me? Would you harness us as the church? To be people under the control, the dominion, submitted to Christ. So listen to these seven things that he tells us here, what he says, what brings peace? Because this whole thing he's talking about, look at verse 7. Submit yourselves into God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. Come near to God, he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts. He says all these things, so here's some things, here's seven things. There's seven imperatives, just write them on the side quickly. Submit to God, that's the whole theme of the message today, submit to God, verse 7. Point number two, resist the devil, that's seven, verse seven. Three, draw near to God. Oh God, help us to come near, help us to get in on what you're doing. Four, cleanse your hands. Five, purify our hearts, God. Five, mourn and weep, be broken, or that was six. And seven, humble yourselves. God, help us to be humble before you. Help us to have harness strength because we seek you. We submit, let's look at that, submit ourselves to God. God, as we submit, we, we run to the mercy seat. We draw near to you, Father. We just draw near to your heart. We humble ourselves in your, parents, your presence. We're, we're submissive. We, we look to you. We want your will. We want your plans. We want your goals. We want your wishes. You know, that's probably good for all of us saying, Father, I know what I want, but what is it that you want? What would bring more honor to your name? What would please you today? And I think the Lord will show us. Last night I came across a situation somebody I need to go see today. I need to go, uh, doesn't go to our church, but the Lord, I feel like the Lord is impressed on my heart. I need to go visit with somebody today and, and minister love and comfort and strength to a person in the hospital today. I think, Christ, I think that'll bring you honor. You know, I'm asking God. I hope, I hope you do that every day. He's like, God, what do you want me to do? It might be something as simple as God says, you know what? I want you next week i want you to cut your neighbor's yard somebody goes that ain't god that's the devil there ain't no way god asked me to cut my neighbor's yard well i know some people in this congregation that have cut other people's yards i even know of one person in our congregation he cut somebody's yard the entire summer because the husband was in afghanistan or was away and couldn't be home and this person could not stand to see the wife do it so they went and did their yard and then they did the other yard every single week and i go Man, that is Christian, and the church said. And somebody says, I know God ain't told me to do that. Well, we, we can maybe ask him. Thy will be done on earth as it is in, as in heaven. Lord, we, we want to get in this prayer thing. Here it is. We want to be steadfast. Our prayer life is learning to stand against the devil. Learning to take stands. I, I like where he says, resist him, and he'll do what? He'll come closer. He'll flee. He flees when we come close to christ see i think the devil as much as i think preaching is a spiritual gift as much as i think preaching and teaching is needed and i can prove it biblically over and over and over but at the end of the day god is more fearful of our praying than he is any other activity we do as a christian And the church said 
Our prayers are powerful when we really pray thy will. And we pray with the authority that God gives us as believers in Christ. And that's what I pray our church begins to, as we launch into a new season, as we complete 23 full years next weekend, and we launch into the 24th season of a church. God, define us like never before as a praying congregation. And I'll just keep going. You're saying, man, you're into this prayer thing. I, I, I'd, write, I'd write down these two words and circle it. Here it is. Pray big. Pray big. How many can do that? How many can pray big? Everybody can. What does it look like? I don't know. I'm not in your body. Ask God. He can show us. Pray those immeasurably more prayers. Uh, Lord, I ask you to do immeasurably more than I can ask, think, or imagine. Ephesians 3.20. God, you're an immeasurably more God. Oh, this is the heart of the Father. So here in the Scripture, he's saying, uh, humble yourselves before the Lord that he can lift you up. And then he jumps into this thing in verse 11 there. Look at it. Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and he judges it. But I, I want you to come back to this real quick. I want, I want you to fill in these blanks or you'll be upset. Enemies we're not to fraternize with. Number one, the world. We don't have close association with the world. That's society, culture. If we do, it shapes us. We don't shape it as we should. Secondly, the flesh. We all battle the flesh. It's our old sin nature, sinful flesh that we all are born with, that we all battle with. And the third is the devil, that he wants to go one-on-one with us. He wants us to depend on ourselves. He wants us to depend on him and not the Lord. I know this. I'm, I'm not going to fight with the devil. I, I put on my spiritual armor every day. And when I put on the armor, and then when I pull up the breastplate of righteousness, as I did this morning, as I have for decade after decade, I go, Lord Jesus, I put on, I, I carry my breastplate of righteousness. Would you extinguish all the darts, all the missiles of the evil ones that come toward me? Lord, would you block those out? And then I ask this, because there's this time I thought I ought to just do conflict and battle with the devil, and then I realized how dumb that was. Lord Jesus, would you fight for me? Would you rebuke the devourer? Would you bind the evil one and his forces from my life, from my family, from the church I serve? Lord, would you be a guard around us? And the church said, amen. Man, you pray those kind of kingdom prayers. They're effective. They're righteous. They, they bless the heart of the Lord. We resist the devil and he flees from us. But I, I know this. If we don't have resistance, we guarantee harassment by the enemy. If we don't resist him, we can just sit ourselves up and say, yeah, harassment's coming. And it's never good. How many of you like to be harassed? Don't you love those harassing phone calls at your home? Don't they? Don't you? How many of you enjoy robocalls? Aren't they the joy of your salvation? And like, if I asked you how many have home phones, it'd be the same person like, oh, I got one. Nobody has a home phone. Okay, okay. But, but somehow, I don't know how they did it. They have figured out how to call us with local phone numbers. And I think it's you. And I answer, oh, and I go, I got duped again. I got duped again. Oh, oh, I got to get better. I got to get better. Lord, help me, help me. All right, here it is. Put it in here real quick. I got to land this plane. How to cure my eye problem. You know, my sin problem, me, your problem. Here it is, number one. Recognize the source of self-centered pride. 
Lord, help me to recognize this source that I'm fighting. Lord, I don't know what it is, but I, I, want, I want you to help me be sensitive and to see it for what it is. And Lord, give me spiritual eyes. Lord, give me spiritual discernment to recognize. Look at B. Resign as the general manager of the universe. Man, that's a good word for all of us. Some of us think we are in charge. And when I checked this morning... He is sovereign, He is Lord, He is Almighty, He is God, He is on the throne, He reigns and rules forever, and you and I have no part of that. So I just have to go, you know what, I resign, you resign, Lord Jesus, you rule, that brings glory. And look at the third one, let's continually, daily, realign ourselves with the Father. Lord, we want to realign with you. Here it is, there's this military term in the Scripture and it talks about under rank. And military officers understand this. They come under the rank of an officer that has a higher rank than them. They're under rank. And as followers of Jesus, we're under the rank of one. We're under the rank of a master. And the master is Jesus. And God wants us under the rank. And we're under the rank and file of the one who died for us, who, the one who gives us life. Then, and only then, do we get victory because we're submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. That's the word that I have for you this Labor Day weekend. As we walk through the book of James together, God, would you bless and grow and strengthen the body of Christ? Let's bow our heads. God, thank you for this morning, for your presence, for your love, for your great grace that has drawn us to this place. Lord, with humble gratitude, we come. With gracious hearts, with broken hearts, with weeping, with tears, with joy, we come. Realign us, help us to submit, to come under the commanding officer, Jesus. Help our prayers, help our lives, help our witness, help our church be under the submission of Christ. Jesus is Lord.